Welcome to another edition of the Inside BS Show. I'm Dave Lorenzo, and today, by popular demand, we are doing another show on esports. So I've decided that for the next six months, we are going to dedicate at least three shows a month to the topic of esports, and that's because having done a show on this previously, you all reached out to me with enormous demand. You want to know more about the industry, and we've got the perfect guy to talk to today. My guest today is Andrew Goodwin, and he's the partner in his own law firm, Hendley Goodwin, and he's focused his practice on not only helping artists, but also helping esports players. Essentially, I think Andrew has an entertainment practice and he's gravitated toward esports because he sees the potential in this industry as well. So whether you need help navigating complex legal problems, drafting a difficult contract, or you're an esports expert, you're a player and you need career advice, he's here and he's willing to help you. Today, Andrew's going to be our Sherpa guiding us through the entire world of esports. So please join me in welcoming to the show... Andrew Goodwin. Thank you for having me, Dave. Ah, it's so great to have you here. I want to talk about esports first. Let's do let's do your practice justice. You do you do entertainment law. You don't just do esports. But what got you interested in esports in the first place? Yeah. So uh, I'll try not to make it the most long-winded story, but it is my whole life story. So I'll try and get it out there. Um, so I got interested in esports, um, like a lot of people because, because I like video games, right? I'm 29 years old, uh, in a month from today, actually. Um, so I'm right in that age range of people who just grew up playing video games their entire life. Uh, my mom was building computers back in the nineties. Uh, my first video games were on MS DOS, which is, uh, before windows even came around. Uh, and, you know, I was playing Commander Keen, Major Striker, Duke Nukem, you know, all the old classics on floppy disks. So gaming has been a part of my life uh, for a long time. My mom even was making games as a kid uh, and still makes games now for my nieces and nephews. She makes a lot of educational flash games and things like that. So gaming has been around for a while for me. Um, but my my intro into esports really uh, was via one of my best friends, Brett Feli, who's also known as MLC Stealth in the gaming world. Uh, and in 2015, um, this Brett Feli is a childhood friend uh, and still one of the people I game with uh, on a weekly basis. But he was a originally a Call of Duty player playing on YouTube. Uh, and he was signed with a company called Machinima. If anyone had ever heard of that, it's just kind of like a media company on YouTube. Uh, not sure if they're still around really. But anyways, Brett kind of came to notoriety playing video games on Call of Duty. And then he started playing a game called Smite. And then he went on to play in the Smite World Championship in 2015, uh, where him and his five teammates each won just over 300 grand apiece. Um, and so this was like a massive prize pool. Uh, and it was weird because everyone was like, okay, why are people making money just playing video games? And, uh, you know, when I see it, I'm like, well, because it's competition and people love competition. And that's what esports is fundamentally all about. It's about competition. Um, and so this was right before I got into law school and I, I kind of saw him trying to navigate his way through the esports industry as a player. Um, you know, bouncing from a couple different teams and 
just really not, um, and, you know, doing well, but, you know, not necessarily understanding the leverage that he may have had uh, in the industry. And I think that's kind of a common thing you see among all of these players is that just like younger artists and younger sports players and traditional sports don't really understand the leverage that they might have. And esports doesn't have, you know, unions like at the NFL and they can't do collective bargaining and things like that. And the whole landscape of esports is a bit different. Um, but yeah, I got into it through a friend, uh, you know, winning a world championship and it kind of caught my eye. And then 2016, I would say is the first year I found myself watching more Twitch than like traditional sports, whether it was football or basketball. Um, and now I didn't watch a single NFL game this year, to be completely honest. Uh, but I've watched Twitch tournaments throughout, you know, the last several years consistently so okay so uh thanks for that now we gotta we gotta go back and do some translation for people there so you we gotta break, break it down in the most basic format so you get a gaming console right you get a you get a gaming console and you know the gaming console you either download a game or there's a there's a disc and you put it in and the game is in there but you play the game online right mm -hmm. and it's hooked up then you can stream what you're playing directly to YouTube if it's hooked up through a computer right I mean does, does that well the gaming console can go directly through Wi-Fi to YouTube correct sure there's there's a lot of different ways you can get yourself on the streaming platforms uh, but generally the way streamers right now twitch streamers eSports personalities are doing it is you know the high profile ones will have two computers right because they want to run their game at the highest possible settings, like make sure they're maximizing potential performance. And they'll have a whole separate computer at the same little battle station uh, that's running their streaming um, gear and all of that. Uh, so you kind of run it through two separate systems. And anyone who's really streaming or competing at any level is playing on a computer, even if they're using a controller, whether it's an Xbox controller or a PlayStation controller, they're still playing from a computer because to, to be at that high level of performance and to compete at that high level of performance, you need the best capabilities, right? You need to make sure that you're not losing any frames, that everything is reacting as quick as you are. So. so what what specs on a on a computer do you need? Because I see stuff all I like. I just bought to do these shows. I bought a, a separate computer, and I have mm -hmm. uh, right next to me. I have my own little battle station right next to me. I have yeah. a separate computer where I have all the info for the show and my email and everything. But this computer is only for doing these shows. So I'm assuming it's the same with gaming. But what specs do you need? Like, is there a standard gaming? a uh, PC with a specific video card? Does it work better on a PC than a Mac? Like, what are the specs for a gaming right. computer? I mean, I've seen people stream on a Mac. I think it's certainly more common to stream on a PC because there's a, a lot more room to kind of tinker around and change things. Whereas Mac, you know, they kind of, it's like, it's it's Apple's way or no other way, right? So you have just more customiz customization in a PC. Um, and I mean... To be, to be fair, you don't necessarily need the highest gear to start streaming or start getting into it. What you need is, is, is inside you. It's that passion, that drive to be a competitor. And so you can start with some low-grade gear. And if you're you know, streaming on a consistent schedule, you'll start to get more and more viewers and donations might start to come in. And then you can kind of upgrade your gear as you go. But right now, the barrier to entry is pretty dang low. 
uh, as far All right, as so uh, go back started. to what you go back to what you just said there. I hear the I can hear my listeners' heads spinning. Right, so people <laughs> are watching other people play games and they're giving them money. Just random people are giving them money. Explain right. how do we plug in? So how do we plug? So Twitch is a video uh, network like YouTube, but it only is gaming. So how does somebody so, stream on Twitch? So Twitch uh, started out as something called Justin TV, and it was uh, a pretty prolific uh, streamer for I think it was World of Warcraft, and then they pivoted uh, from Justin TV to Twitch uh, later in in the timeline. And Twitch kind of became a, a big place for games. But now when you look at the the hours streamed by people, the most hours are being streamed under the category called just chatting. So what you're seeing is a lot of podcasts start hosting on Twitch and streaming on Twitch and these big personalities. So while gaming is definitely like the biggest driver of streaming on Twitch, just chatting with these personalities who likely also play games at other times is getting the most viewership. Uh, and and what I will say um, is Twitch was purchased by Amazon and they're making pivots to, to not just be Twitch gaming, but to be Twitch as like, think of it as like millennial and Gen Z's Good Morning America, or their their radio show that they're listening their to. Net, the that's their network. Yeah, that's, yeah, where, that's is, where they go to get their information. That's where right. they're going to be social. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and and the 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 draw for for competitive gaming and stuff. It's think if you want to compare it to traditional sports. Well, I I think it's it's different in many ways. Of course, it shares similarities, right? It's people competing at the highest level, and kind of one of the cool things about esports is on Twitch you have the chat. And so you can interact with the person even while they're playing, uh, you know, in maybe a high stakes competition, you can hit their chat, say something, and they might shout you out. And that's kind of where ch donations came in is like, if you donate, that alerts the streamer and it's more likely that they're going to read your message on chat and you get some recognition. So it's like, you know, if I'm watching uh, Tom Brady and uh, play football, there's no way I'm going to get Tom Brady to be like, yo, Andrew, thanks for the donation. Really appreciate it. You know, and I, I don't get to watch Tom Brady from a helmet cam on his helmet, right? I don't get to do that. But in gaming, that's a big appeal. You get to interact with the player directly. And uh, it's, it you know, it was kind of a novelty for a lot of people. And so you get to interact with your heroes, basically. The the first uh, esports seminar I went to, uh, one of the presenters told a story about Ninja, who I guess is a, is a famous gamer, at how he would practice every day and he would stream his practices live and chat with people while he was practicing. And I thought to myself, exactly what you just said, that's brilliant. Can you imagine talking to Aaron Judge while he's at the plate? What do you, what do you think is coming now? Fastball? What yeah. do you think? I mean, that's exactly. to me, that's that is the ultimate. That's what fans really want. So I think you know. I I mean, that is uh, to me that is the the height of an experiential um, service. So action item for people who are listening. Okay. If you're, if you're a 50 year old person who wants to break into this industry, you got to download Twitch, go get a, I guess, go get a fire stick or, uh, on your computer, go download Twitch and start watching, you know, scroll through the different categories, pick one and start watching what people are doing so that you understand what's going on. Now is the entire spectrum of gaming on Twitch. So can I watch, uh, you know, um, 
Street Fighter uh, tournaments can I watch? Certainly. You know, people. So everything is on there, including like yeah, Mad, mean, Madden and everything else any, is on any, there. Any game you can think of is going to be on there. Now, are people going to be watching that game is a whole different question. And and you, you have a couple different types of streamers, right? You have content creators who are out there not necessarily playing at the most competitive level, but they're entertaining to watch. And so they're playing, you know, they might be playing in one specific game, right? They might be a content creator for Apex Legends. So they're not playing in the, the tournaments, but they're creating YouTube videos, you know, trick plays and things like that. Then you have the esports players who are playing specifically just in competitive tournaments. Uh, and you have some that kind of do a little bit both content creation and esports competing, but generally competing. Generally, you you kind of stay in your lane, right? And then you have what's called like a variety streamer. And these are people who are really just entertaining personalities. They're likely decent at video games, of course, because that's, you know, you want to have that. Uh, but they're streaming all sorts of different games. A lot of the times you see streamers, they'll move from one game to another and they'll have a massive drop off in their viewership because, you know, it, it, think about it again in traditional sports. If I'm a football player and all of a sudden my favorite player switches to baseball, I might watch like one game or something, right? But at the end of the day, I'm not a big baseball fan. So it's like, I'm not gonna watch them there as much. But some streamers have this potential to switch between all sorts of different games because they've established like, hey, I'm a variety streamer. You're here for my entertain, like me being entertaining, not necessarily the game. So you got a couple different lanes you can take. And then of course they, you know, you have music, people that are streaming live music, a lot of DJs are on there. Uh, and you're seeing, I know I'm talking a lot, so interrupt me when you want, but you, you see a big intersection in entertainment right now. And Fortnite is kind of leading the way where they have concerts within the world of the game. So you'll have people as big as Travis Scott, Marshmallow, I mean, these massive artists putting on digital concerts and people going in the game and interacting with their friends in the game and also joining a, a concert. It's it's really some cool, innovative stuff going on. So, and by the way, you're here because we want you to talk about this. Nobody, <laughs> want, nobody wants to hear me. I don't know as much or anything about this. So that's why, that's why we want you here. Um, go back to what you said about, you know, concerts in the game. So people are, so there's, so like take Fortnite, for example, are there, there, there are teams or it's, it's a one-on-one -on -one thing. And then there's somebody playing a concert in the background. Is it the same people playing all the time or do they rotate teams in and out? It's, uh, I mean, it's the things Fortnite is doing that they're, they're trying a whole bunch of different stuff, but it's when you're in the, when you're going to a concert in Fortnite, you're not really fighting or killing or, or you know, pretend killing other people uh you're there for the show so you got transported to a separate island where you know they've disabled different types of mechanics that you're able to do so maybe you can't actually uh you know eliminate any other players you can just kind of sit there and enjoy the show and you can run around and you know maybe use their like bouncy grenades and fun stuff that doesn't like eliminate people from the game and then you just kind of watch the show together uh and then for competing so it's it's just a social interaction basically the game serves as a platform for social interaction in that in that context yeah just in the in the world of that game so they're using all the assets in there and creating a fun environment for these people to exist in while they enjoy the show put on by a live performer somewhere. so it's 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 like it, virtual reality it, you're you're entering yeah. a different world to go to a concert yeah, precisely. 
And eventually, eventually you're going to have, you're going to have the virtual reality headset I'm imagining, and you'll be actually running and playing and, you know, in, in the real world. That stuff is already happening. And it, and it seems so out there and so crazy, but also, I mean, before 2007, did we think we were going to have phones in our pockets that also had like the computing power of Apollo 11 or anything like that? <laughs> like this is stuff that was so beyond, uh, like so detached from reality seemingly. But I mean, technology is just advancing at such a rapid rate. And you already have some companies that are out there working on like, you know, equipment to hold you in place, but where you can still run and be in virtual reality. So you can like run around in a virtual world. I mean, there is crazy stuff happening uh, in gaming that I'm sure we'll see more changes. Okay. So a lot of people are thrown by the sports part of esports. It's not just, you know, two, uh, you know, Madden, it's not just 2k. It's not, you know, NBA 2k. It's not just uh, MLB, the show. It is Fortnite and all these other, you know, Street Fighter, all these other games that are out there that people are playing that fall under the umbrella of esports. So it's not like you have somebody who's sitting there playing Madden. Oh, you could sitting there playing Madden in tournaments, winning money. They're playing every game in tournaments that have financial, you know, compensation associated with it. Uh, somewhat. It, it kind of depends, right? Because a, a lot of these games, it's not, I mean, some of them are similar enough to where players can pick it up and play it, right? But you have different genres of game, right? You have first-person shooters. So if you're good in one first-person shooter, you're likely going to be pretty good in the next. But then you also have real-time strategy games like Magic the Gathering, uh, which is uh, like a card game. I mean, you have all these different genres of games. So making that pivot can be somewhat difficult, right? You might be able to pivot from Apex to Call of Duty because those are both shooters. But still, it's like to really become a pro in the top of your game, I mean, you have to have serious skill, right? So when when I'm watching someone, I personally watch for the highest competitive uh that's what I watch for. I watch the, the, the competitors. It's the same reason I watch the NFL and I don't watch college football. It's because I like watching people compete at the highest level. And so if you're competing at the highest level, it's harder for you to pivot from, say, League of Legends, which is a MOBA, uh, a massive online battle arena game, uh, versus a first-person shooter. It's just two totally different types of things. Um, so it's, it's not always easy to pivot. Yeah, but the but there is there's a whole, there's an entire spectrum. So when people say I get I get this question all the time, and this is the perfect question for you, you know, as an attorney, they say, all right, so do I have to go like get certified? Like I got to go get certified by the NBA to represent players, or I got to I have to be you know I have to be uh, licensed by the NFL to do legal work for a team or for a player. There there is none of that right now right because there's there's such a broad spectrum you could be you personally as an attorney could be representing a team that goes to 100 tournaments you could represent one player on that team and negotiate his contract you could represent a venue that's going to do a tournament and have to work out the contracts with all those people you could represent a sponsor who's going to sponsor a game or a tournament or a venue i mean there's no there's no one big umbrella you there's no place for for Andrew Goodwin to go get licensed to to be an attorney for anything in esports. It's wide open right now. Yeah, I mean, 
as far as licensing goes, those types of uh, licenses are different state to state even for traditional things. So to be a talent agent in California, uh, to apply for that license is thousands and thousands of dollars. Whereas in you know Texas, for example, you don't have to have any sort of license to be a talent agent. So there are some people working on you know regulatory framework. Uh, I think it's the Esports Integrity Commission is working on some sort of talent licensing uh, opportunities or talent agent licensing opportunities. And and this is what makes um, esports similar to a lot of music industry things and traditional sports things is where it's a new industry, right? And so it's a new industry that needs the talent of young people. So people who have not had the life experience or the time to get education in a lot of different areas and to just know their, their positioning in the industry. So you're seeing a lot of these young players get taken advantage uh, in the same way you see young athletes get taken advantage of or young musicians taking advantage of because they don't necessarily know their footing right they don't know that okay i'm an esports player this big esports organization just offered me a contract uh i have to take it and i i know i don't like everything in here i just have to take it because if i don't i'll lose out on my opportunity but that's just like that's not a reality if someone is offering you a player a contract that means you have some value that you can bring to the table, which means you don't have to just sign the first agreement. You can always push back because what's going to happen, say, Dave, you're offering me a contract. I look it over. I have my attorney look it over and we're like, OK, you know, this looks fine. Let's try and push back on some of these provisions. You can push back depending on your bargaining power. They might say, no, this isn't going to fly. We can't make it work like that. And, you know, then maybe you push a little bit less. And so just remember that players, you are bringing value to the table, and that's why people are offering you contracts. So don't be afraid to push back on the terms because uh, you're allowed to. Yeah, I, I, the, the fact that there's that I, I don't see like the Esports e Integrity Commission or, or whatever you just mentioned, I don't see how they're going to be able to regulate 50 different games they may be able yeah. to say okay if you want to be a part of this there's going to be rules and there's going to be structure and some people may gravitate toward that in fact i was just talking to someone who's going to be a guest on the show next week uh who uh took a job working in college esports because she didn't like traveling from tournament to tournament because she said the culture on the road in esports just wasn't good for somebody who she was like 16 when she started. She said it just wasn't good for a 16 year old to be yeah. traveling on the road with an esports team going from tournament to tournament. And, and let's face it, right now, you know, some of these venues are not, you know, the venues are not in Midtown Manhattan. The venues are in like the Bronx. You know, it's like it's sure. a it's I, a it's I, a com I mean, it's a combination between like cockfighting and the Nassau Coliseum. You know, it's not sure. It's a, <laughs> And, and and I mean, at the same time, you have League of Legends Championship Series selling out the Staples Center in L.A. Right. So it's like right. it's kind of all over the spectrum. Right. It's an it's a new, exciting industry. And everyone's like, how do I get in it? How do I work in it? And really, I think you're going to see some problems with a lot of these esports organizations that are, you know, uh, needing to find more ways to monetize other than just like selling hoodies and t-shirts, you know? So uh, it's interesting. I think you're going to see a lot of people try to enter into the esports space. And I think you're going to see a lot of people fail, but you're going to see a lot of people succeed as well. So I think right now it's hard to say where it's going. I mean, 
it's hard to say where anything is going. I mean, who who would have thought, you know, we'd be 10 months into a pandemic, right? It's it's everything is just so chaotic right now. And esports was already, you know, crazy. It was before. already the Wild West. Yeah. But all the players are new, right? Uh, so it's and by players, I don't mean comp- competitors. Right. I mean, the players, you know, different industry players uh, here. So I think we'll see a lot of things change uh, as time goes on. I, you know, there the in in chaos, there is profit for people who are willing to learn, grow and understand the industry, grow with and understand the industry. I think there I think one of the really interesting and natural areas for almost immediate growth and development are brand extensions for people or companies or organizations that already have a fan base. So the the seminar that I went to that got me interested in this in the first place was put on by the by the Miami Marlins and it was put on at Marlins Park and it was put on for I was a season ticket holder at the time it was put on for season ticket holders and I went because I'm like esports what is this I want to I want to hear all about it and what blew me away was that and I I think this is still the case I think the Heat bought the franchise in NBA 2K for Miami and I think Stephen Ross. Uh, who owns the Dolphins, bought the Madden franchise for Miami for a specific league. And I'm thinking to myself, all right, these people obviously know what they're doing, and they're investing in this because they want to protect their area, their territory, and they see potential. And then the guy who ran the Heat uh, NBA team was telling us about the salaries and the training that the players were going through. And it just was, it, it mirrored what a professional team would be doing. Uh, the salaries, of course, were not, were a you know, fraction. But, you know, to be able to make $100,000, you know, training to play in tournaments and then get a piece of the action when you win a tournament, it, to me, I'm thinking, holy cow. And, uh, and, and then they show a picture of the team and there's like a guy who weighs 280 pounds. You know, there's a there's a, a rail fin kid. There's you know there's a guy who's like 50. <laughs> oh my god! It, it's it it's seems, crazy. It, it seems like an interesting hodgepodge of people. Uh, but that I think is something that's great about gaming. Is yeah. You still it's at some point traditional sports are going to go the wayside in the 30s no one would have said football was going to overtake baseball, right? And now here we find the NFL, uh, you know, more and more parents aren't putting their kids in football because it's dangerous. So more and more of these traditional sports are going to just, I think, kind of phase out of maybe not existence entirely, but phase out of notoriety. Uh, Because at the end of the day, what do humans like to watch? They like to watch competition. And if more kids are growing up playing video games, then they're going to want to watch the competition in those video games. And so whether the makeup of the team of the players is, you know, a little bit different than you might see in traditional sports, these are people that have dedication just like these traditional sports players. Becoming an esports professional is not as simple as like, oh, I play video games, now I'm going to go win a tournament. I mean, there are people who are spending hours and hours training and and training seems like a funny word because it's like, oh, it's a video game. But at the end of the day, football is a game. Baseball mm-hmm. is a game. Mm-hmm. Basketball is a game. It is all games. But what it is, is entertainment. And if people are willing to put in the work to become the best at something, then they deserve recognition. And if people are going to watch, people are going to watch. So uh, I think I think even though it seems so bizarre, uh, 
you know, from an outsider looking in, it's it's really just an ecosystem of people who love games, love to compete, and love to be in a community that really they're not going to feel judged for being different. Uh, and I, I think that is something that the gaming community has to work on as well, is you see a lot more female gamers now, but still, f women in gaming is is somewhat new, right? It's uh, and and we have to make that a better space for everyone. But I think you you tend to see a lot more uh, inclusiveness in gaming than you might see in other areas. Um, you yeah. Know, you might have a girl on your team, but uh, you know just now for the first time ever, the NCAA is getting a female on one of their football teams, and she's a kicker. So you have more opportunity for everyone to participate, and I think that's really great. One of the things you you mentioned uh, earlier was, hey, listen, you know this is this is the way this is the way real sports may be headed. I mean, think about CTE and concussions, and uh, uh, you know, eventually, the the way I look at football right now, and I'm gonna get killed for saying this. I mean, you know, people are gonna people are gonna be throwing hate at me on Twitter and everywhere else, but football is smoking. Okay, football is what smoking was in the 1950s. Everybody who plays football from the time they're 11 to going to the NFL, anyone who plays football through that span has brain damage. You have, they have CTE. They have not cut one of these guys' heads open after they pass away and found no brain damage. They all have CTE to some degree. At some point, people will realize that people are shortening their lives by playing football. It's just the way it is. Unless they figure out a way to create some sort of protective bubble that you know stops the concussive behavior, which is simply the brain hitting the inside of someone's head. That's what yeah. causes the damage. It's not, you know, it's the sudden it's the sudden stopping of the brain and it it hit the sudden stopping of the movement, the brain hits the inside of the head. That's what causes the damage. That's endemic to football. So as gaming becomes more and more popular, as broadband becomes more pervasive, more people will be gaming. They'll be able to put on the VR goggles and they'll be on their little swivel in their living room and they'll be able to play football yeah. as well as any professional football player on the field. And if it draws an audience, you won't need to get brain damage anymore. Right. Yeah. You get all the pleasure of smoking without actually smoking the cigarette. <laughs> yeah. It seems like it seems so bizarre when you say that. But it's like, you know, it's not saying that's going to happen in 10 years, but we don't know where the world is going to be in 50 or 100 years. Right. Who would have thought we would have had, you know, that uh, gasoline powered automobile automobiles were going the wayside like things just change society yep. is always a work in progress and the entertainment we consume is always changing so you know who knows how long it'll take but if anything it's carving out a, a sector in the entertainment industry and it, and it gets to exist there um, and video games uh, as a whole already make more you know bring in more revenue than music film and tv combined uh now Esports competitive gaming, I think, is is just around a billion dollar uh, industry. But you know, video games as a whole is over a hundred fifty billion dollar industry. I mean, these these video games is just um, it's a it's a lucrative area. It's a way to tell a story, but not only tell a story, but put the the viewer Participate. in the main character position. Yeah, you know? yeah. I mean, think about it this way: you want to know if you're in the movie industry right now. After the pandemic is over, if you want to get people back in the theaters, 
Slap on some VR goggles and let them jump into the movie, right? That's that's how you can get them back in the theater. Otherwise, yeah. they're just going to wait to watch the movie on their couch. They're not going yeah. to, a, you know, that wasn't a great experience when we were forced to go there. So, you know, you need to figure out new ways to breathe life into some of these uh, legacy uh, entertainment opportunities. Yeah. And I think, you know, there is a great, you said it, the Staples Center was full for a virtual, a virtual reality for a for a for a, an esports tournament for a League of Legends tournament. Right, the Staples Center was full with people watching that. So movie theaters could easily convert uh, in you know they probably need a little bit more space into a venue for esports tournaments. Mm -hmm. And I'm I am bullish on the vertical integration of you know different streams of revenue because I think there's I think there's revenue from sponsorships I think there's revenue from tournament play I think there's revenue from practice and coaching developing people along the way I think there's revenue for in-person experiences versus uh, an in-home experience. I, I think there's a ton of revenue opportunities that exist. Mm -hmm. And going back to what I said before, brand extensions for already existing competitive sports, I think it's a, I think it's an absolute no-brainer. It's an absolute yeah. no-brainer. If you're, if you're the New York Yankees, you have to get into esports to protect your brand from, you know, having somebody call themselves, you know, the esports version of the Yankees and, you know, dominate a tournament. You want that. You want your brand to be uh, to be represented by people who have the same values that you have. So. I, sure. I see that as a as a big opportunity. Tell me, you yeah. as an attorney, how do you get into? How do you get involved in esports now? Who do you represent? Yeah, so um, we we represent a variety of different people in the in, the esports industry. Uh, so not just players, um, and you know whether it's uh, merchandising apparel companies. We have a, a fairly large merchandising uh, client. We have uh, some clients that do tournament organization for different games uh, and then some players. But it's, you know, an esports attorney or an entertainment attorney, for that matter, is essentially just a business and intellectual property attorney. Uh, and it's just, do I live in the industry? Am I knowledgeable in that space enough to, to be able to participate in it? And um, right now, there's not a ton of esports attorneys out there. There's there are several, and there's a few pretty prolific or pretty popular ones. Uh, the video game attorney, uh, Bryce Blum, uh, ESG Law. You have you have several like really great esports firms out there. But uh, you know, me and Holland, my business partner, when we were thinking about starting a firm, it it was originally you know just entertainment law. We both knew we wanted to do entertainment, and. Uh, Holland has more of a music background. My background is more in fashion. and uh, But we were both in entertainment and we were like, how do we start a firm and also an entertainment firm, but also make a name for ourselves as young guys? And we were like, you know, at the time we were watching esports while we were in law school together. You know, we would watch tournaments and we were like, 
these people need the same exact representation. And if, if anything, they need it more. They need people that are young, understand them, and they're not going to, you know, feel intimidated when they talk to them. Because I, I think a lot of, you know, when you're young, it's intimidating to talk to an attorney. I think a lot of people have trouble talking to attorneys uh, because they they've just never done it before. So these young players, they need people who are going to be able to represent them and be on their side. Um, now, it is tough to meet people during the pandemic because we can't go to any of these events. Um, and, you know, there's ethical rules for attorneys about direct solicitation. And so it can be hard to get clients in that space when you're not able to go out in the world and, and meet them in person. But um, really just anyone who touches the esports industry, whether you're a business, a player, a coach, a sponsor, I mean, whatever it is, you're going to be dealing in contracts and you're going to be dealing with intellectual property. And so that's kind of the areas we work in there. Um, and, you know, we're a young firm and we've talked about if, you know, we want to represent players as agents and things like that. Now, I would have to look up and learn a lot more about it to be able to do that effectively. But it's it's stuff we've talked about doing uh, as a firm. So, you know, who knows where we'll go either. As well. So. Yeah. So let's let's talk a little bit about what you touched on. So so the, the I, it seems to me that like any any emerging industry, esports has a number of events. Uh, you know, in person events pre pandemic, and I'm sure the the in person events will be back post pandemic. In fact, I just signed up for one in October. There's like an esports business seminar. It's going to be a hybrid uh, in person virtual event mm -hmm. uh, in in Vegas. Is that the way everybody in the industry kind of gets together to learn new stuff and to is it is it right now is it event driven in that you know if you want to be a player in the industry you got to go to three four five events a year to meet the people who are the movers and shakers in the industry? Yeah, I think so, and I think you find this in pretty much every industry. It's it's about who you know. I mean, to 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 obviously different industries require different skill sets, right? I couldn't just practice law. I had to go to law school and get a degree and become an attorney. But at the end of the day, there's a bunch of attorneys just like me. So it's like, who do I know that you don't? Or, you know, I'm selling the same service that a lot of other people are selling. So really I'm selling my my personality. But going to the these events is and in any events is the best way we've found to for client acquisition, for getting new clients, because at, I'm not selling an exciting product. I'm selling legal services. Mm -hmm. It's like, you know, I'm the guy playing the board game who has the rule book in his hand. So it's not it's not the fun spot, but it's it's someone that everyone needs. So it's really just being about being where the players are, making it easier for them to get in contact with you. So you just have to go where they are. You have to be in their Twitch chats. You got to be uh, active on Twitter because that's where esports has always kind of lived is Twitter. That's kind of always been their social media of choice. Mm. Uh, and you just have to interact and and get your name out there. And it just kind of snowballs as, as you meet more and more people and people are like, hey, I kind of like this guy. And, you know, they think esports and that's the thing that everyone hooks on, right? We do entertainment law. We have music clients, we have TV clients, uh, and all sorts of stuff. But the thing that people are excited about is esports because it's something new and fresh. So you got to find something that makes you and your firm or whatever business you have stand out because you're doing something different. And that's what esports has been for us. So it, it's really cool that we get to live in a space that not only we enjoy ourselves as a, as a big hobby, uh, but we get to work within it as well and kind of help 
grow and make an impact on the legal field in that industry. It's, it's pretty exciting stuff. So for people who want to get involved, for people who want to learn more about esports, the first thing is you got to get on Twitch and just poke around and see what's going on there. So that that's yep. Twitch is like the town square for esports, right? That's where everybody sure. hangs out, right? Okay, so you got to go there. You mentioned Twitter, so uh, create a create an esports list on Twitter, and then just start following like thirty people and, and see some what the players, conversations are. Follow okay. some esports journalists. Uh, Adam Fitch is a is a pretty up to in the know uh, guy on Twitter. I follow. Follow a couple esports attorneys. Follow some players you like in the game you like. Um, but also, like if you are totally brand new to esports and you're like, what what the hell even is esports? Uh, William Collis wrote a book called The Book of Esports. It's really short. You can literally read it in one or two days. Um, but it's it's good if you have zero knowledge of the industry and really of video games as a whole. He kind of takes you uh, through the timeline of, of video games and um, really just makes it uh, easily digestible for someone who's really never even, if they don't know what FPS means first-person shooter. Mm -hmm. I mean, he explains even the basics of stuff like that. So that's a good book to start at. If you just want to know about the industry, uh, that's a great place to start. Okay. So the book of eSports, William Collis. Uh, last thing I want to, I want to touch on um, before, before we, uh, we run out of time is there's a, now there's, there is uh, in the UK, I think there's betting. There's, there's actual gambling on eSports, right? People are betting on this. That's that's in the U.S. as well. Oh, really? Uh, so in the U.S. Yeah. you can bet on esports? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's uh, depends on the state you're in, of course, because gambling is always uh, is dictated by state law most of the time. Um, but yeah, Counter Strike. There's a lot of betting on Counter Strike on League of Legends. Uh, there's different platforms. I don't do any betting myself, uh, as I think I mentioned. Personal budgeting is my number one hobby, so uh, <laughs> I do not bet. Um, but yeah, you can you can bet on esports now. It's just, there's a couple of different platforms, and it's definitely bigger in the UK. I had, there was an article I read recently, but yeah, I just I, I don't know enough about the topic to really speak. No, no, I, I understand. It. But is it is it proposition betting? Is it is it like regular sports win loss? I mean, can you bet on all the different stuff that you could bet on with with regular sports? Is that yeah, yeah. I think wow. it, I th depending on the platform you're using, and and again, I haven't done as much research into this myself but I, I think you can even bet on more nuanced things i'm sure like about which characters are going to be picked i'm sure you can wow. it's got to exist right people people make the demand yeah yeah. Uh, well yeah. that's how I'll that's how you know that. that's how you know when something's on its way to big time when people start betting on it <laughs> yeah oh yeah all right so andrew goodwin how can people get in touch with you if they look you just got a regular entertainment contract or an intellectual property issue you can call andrew i'm sure but if you want esports representation how can people get in touch with you yeah uh they can always feel free to email me at andrew at henleygoodwin.com uh you can google nashville entertainment attorney i think we're like the fourth one on the maps right now so the google overlords are being kind to us finally <laughs> uh you can find me on instagram at andrew goodwin uh i'm on twitter at andrew goodwin uh i'm at tiktok on tiktok we're under lil esquire and i do a segment there called legal tips and skateboard tricks uh, so I just give one little legal tip and then I do a trick on my, my skateboard, which I think is back there in the back. Yeah, there it is. Yeah. Yep. You can see it. If you're uh, watching on video, there's Andrew's skateboard. All right. Yeah. You can pretty much find me on any social media anywhere. Uh, you can go to our website, Henley Goodwin. 
All right. Any, anywhere you want, I'm there. Discord, Twitter, Instagram. All right. Everywhere. Well, all all the ones I can find, I'm going to put in the show notes so you can <laughs> you, you can go. catch up. You can catch up with Andrew at on multiple platforms. Uh, Andrew, this has been incredibly enlightening. So thanks very much for joining us to share just a little bit of knowledge about esports for. Uh, for beginners and that actually that's what the title of this episode is going to be esports for beginners with andrew goodwin um we're going to have you back as i learn more and more with specific focused questions and if you don't know maybe we can figure we can figure it out together because this is uh this is a brave new world so folks reach out to andrew goodwin uh throw him a little legal work and then talk to him about uh about esports and you know he could be the next big thing in the law when it comes to when it comes to esports he could be the esports attorney andrew thank you this has been the inside bs show my name is dave lorenzo we're here every day taking you inside business strategy sharing the insider business secrets and cutting through all of the inside bs that bogs everybody down until tomorrow here's hoping you make a great living and live a great life